And hello to you, and welcome to the Richard Nichols Podcast, the personal development podcast series that's here to help inspire, educate, and motivate you to be the best you can be. I'm psychotherapist Richard Nichols, and this is episode 189. It's titled Energy Levels. And if you're ready, we'll start the show. Hey, pod fans! It's a new month, and so with it, a new podcast episode plops into your ears, one way or another. Do remember, though, if you like what I do and you'd like to hear more from me, why not become a patron at patreon.com? It's about a fiver a month, and you get new episodes every single Monday morning, which reminds me, hello, new patrons, it's shout-out time. Who joined last month? Let's have a look at the list. We have Seth. Vanessa, Crystal, Nick, Veronica, Katie, Becca, Sarah, Rachel, Gary, and someone who mysteriously called themselves Mrs. P. Hmm, Hello to you, and thank you all very much indeed. We are well on our way to achieving our next uh, financial goal, which will enable us to fund counselling for somebody else, for another person, which is amazing. So thank you all for showing the love. It felt like a big risk back in January last year to start making patron-only content, paid-for-only content. But each episode is a lot of hard work, and so I need to take time off to do this. And I've got bills to pay, and all the enthusiasm in the world doesn't pay bills. And if there's one thing to sap enthusiasm, it's making content that no one cares about or listens to. Which is always, though, how these things start, isn't it? It has to start there. And our enthusiasm, our energy, it needs to be controlled a little bit. Like I said the other month in the uh, How to Feel Alive episode, with some enthusiasm, we can go from dragging our feet and saying how tired we are to suddenly being up, up and away. But whether it's about scripting a podcast episode or going for a run, whatever it is, it's really easy to say to ourselves, I don't feel like it. And if your energy levels have dropped, it's definitely worth looking into why. Now, this could be physical health. It's tempting as a psychotherapist to see everything as emotional or behavioural. But sometimes our body is a bit knackered, even if we are getting plenty of sleep and a a good diet and lots of exercise. I've spoken with people that have had COVID earlier in the year and they're still struggling now, months later. It's properly wiped out their energy levels. Even a heavy cold can do that in the moment, let alone the thyroid problems we can sometimes get or testosterone dips that well, that happen to us as we age and sometimes we're anemic and there are a multitude of other issues that a psychiatrist probably wouldn't look into. So it's worth ruling these sorts of things out before assuming that you need to get your head straight because of course depression will do this. Depression doesn't just sap our emotional motivation, it makes us feel properly fatigued. So if you or someone you know has depression, it's not uncommon to feel as if you can't get out of bed, let alone go out to the social event that you were being pressured into saying yes to, and more sleep won't help. Early nights won't cure depression, even if you could fall asleep. And I'm sorry, but there isn't this one simple trick to cure depression. And I did see that on a clickbait advert. It said something like, Psychiatrists hate her. Read about this one teen's simple trick that cured her depression. 
And it was an advert for scented oils. Not just an advert for the oil, it was an advert to become a distributor of the oil. Can nice smelling oils cure depression? I mean, cure isn't the right word for anything that we do with psychological health anyway, but even if it was... The answer is going to be no. If using those oils happened at the same time that this mysterious and anonymous teen started feeling better, then it was probably many things that got her out of bed and energised. Maybe smelly, smelly oils can give us some hope. Maybe it gives us nothing but a headache, though. But what can sometimes help is showing up anyway. Even if it feels empty and pointless in the moment, carry on regardless. Do the things that you would have done if you did have the energy, but maybe at a slower pace, that's all. If you usually go for a run every other day, still do, just don't aim for a personal best every time. Acting as if you're fine when you're not isn't going to cure depression or suddenly give you boundless energy, but it will probably make you feel better than if you'd done nothing. But another culprit, the draining our energy is anxiety, overthinking. Worrying about stuff can be exhausting to our brain, let alone the effects that it has on our body. If you look through the main symptoms of generalised anxiety disorder, they are being easily fatigued, having tight muscles, feeling on edge, having anxious thoughts and trouble sleeping. All of that is going to wipe you out, if that's what it is. The challenging thing, though, is that if you feel that doing something is going to make you more anxious, the unfortunate treatment to it is to actually do it, which, of course, then might make you feel more anxious in the short term, but hopefully more confident in the long term. Anxiety is just your brain telling your body that something is going to happen soon and that it might not be safe, which isn't always right. Almost never, in fact, nowadays, but it becomes a disorder when your brain responds to more and more things that are coming up in your future with anxiety to such a degree that it stops you doing those things. So to counteract it, you need to train your brain that those things are safe after all, because avoiding them only strengthens your unconscious belief that there's something to be scared about. But as with depression, don't be hard on yourself. Take it one step at a time. Go to the party but only with an expectation of staying for an hour, with a a white lie about having to leave because you've got to pick somebody up from the train station, for example. If the idea of writing a dissertation is making you anxious, then only write one page. But, not the beginning, though. Here's a trick for you to get stuff like that done, and this has consistently worked for me with articles and book chapters. Here's my bit of advice for you. Because the opening lines are the hardest. How to start is the hardest. It's like this podcast. I make lots of notes for each episode, easily 2,000 words of content. But usually, when I start making those notes, I don't start with the very beginning. Because if I don't know what I'm going to say, then I end up with no notes and no podcast episode. What I do instead is I start halfway through. I know what the topic of the episode is, and I know some things I'd like to refer to, so I write those down. And then it just keeps on flowing on to the next thing, and then the next thing, and then I go back to the start and think about how it all might get linked together. It's like painting. Not that I know a massive amount about painting, but I've seen enough time-lapse videos of people creating art to see that you don't just paint each section of the painting a bit at a time until it's done. 
It's not like painting a wall all in one colour where you just start at the top and work your way down. With a painting, even digital art, that's done exactly the same way, you create an outline. You get your head around it as you go and then you start colouring it in, for want of a better phrase. I'm oversimplifying it enormously, but you get the idea. Basically, it's the getting going at something that's the hard part. And if you can make it so that the start of something isn't so important, then a lot of motivation will follow. And with it, some emotional and physical energy. A lot of anxiety comes from what-ifs, though. What if everyone laughs at me? What if the plane crashes? What if I'm abducted by aliens? That's a rare one, but it's not its not unheard of, believe me. If anxiety starts to turn into panic, one way of helping with that is to shift your attention from things that aren't happening to the things that are. If you move your attention from the imaginary stuff that's in your head to the genuine stuff that's in your environment, things are going to start picking up. Look for things. Notice genuine, real things. It's so often suggested, but it 100% bears repeating, so that I will. And I'm not going to apologise if you already know this, because reinforcing existing knowledge is vital when it comes to making new habits. So, look for four things in your environment that you can see, three things that you can hear, two things that you can feel, and maybe something that you can smell. And It really helps you to get outside of your head and into the real world. Taking a few deep breaths as you do so, so that you can scan your body, make sure you're not holding your muscles too tightly. Often the muscles in the back, or the shoulder muscles, just need to relax a little, just to let go of any physical tension there. Sends a message to the brain that says, hey, we're okay after all, just chill. And you do. It lets you focus on what is, rather than letting the what-ifs Pull the rug out from underneath you. Another thing that causes people to burn out sometimes is when their focus in life is too much about one particular thing. That might be work, it might be children, it might be a relationship, it might be volunteering for the St John Ambulance. If it works, then great. That's devotion. But if it doesn't work, that's when it can become a problem. If something in your life takes up 99% of your attention it's pretty hard to fit everything else into that last 1%, especially if it's your biggest or even only source of pride. If something changes because of the genuine rise and fall of life, as we've all had for the last five or six months, then you don't have a cushion of other interests and values to soften the blow. We need many hats, as the old analogy goes, and if you've only got the one summer hat to wear, then going out in the rain on a windy, cold autumn day is going to give you a headache. We find this a lot with parents, and particularly stay-at-home mums. Their their kids, their children, they become their biggest focus in life, maybe their only source of pride, but it's not sustainable. There was a couple of studies that I was rereading in preparation for this episode, looking at full-time working mums, mums on part-time and stay-at-home mums and it monitored their mental health and not surprisingly until their children were old enough to look after themselves the part-timers had the best mental health scores by a long shot stay-at-home mums were really low and the extra cash of the full-time workers didn't offset the stress of running around like a headless chicken the only time that the full-time mum had better mental health was when they and their kids were older comes back down to a balance all the time, doesn't it? A middle ground. 
between doing too little and doing too much. And this process is the same for every area of life. Uh, A Twitter follower who had depression since he was a child once told me that he had three focuses in life. There was his work, his friends and his fitness. And as long as one area was working okay, then it didn't really matter if the other two weren't going quite so well. If he wasn't too thrilled about being at work, then he could keep his depression under control, providing he had the other two things. But if he wasn't able to connect with his friends for some reason, at the same time, then he only had his weight training and his running to keep him topped up, and he could feel that things weren't quite right. But they were still manageable. Just. But if he hadn't had his fitness to focus on, then he'd probably end up being signed off work with stress, anxiety, depression. So we need a few hats, just to make sure that our focus gets spread about a little bit. Whether that's going to a choir once a week, or learning a new language or a musical instrument, our enthusiasm, our our purpose, where we find meaning in life, most probably won't be all in the same place. So we shouldn't put all our eggs in one basket. Spread yourself about a little bit if you need to. And don't overlook a choir. I mentioned this to someone fairly recently because she used to sing when she was young and she said she didn't want to join a choir because she was an atheist and wouldn't like the idea of singing hymns. It hadn't crossed her mind that choirs have nothing to do with religion. A choir will get together and sing ELO and Queen. So be open-minded and you never know where you might find a lot of pleasure in life. As usual though, find the balance so that you're not overwhelmed. Saying, I'm too tired, is sometimes code for, I just don't know where to start. People say sometimes that looking for a new job is too tiring because they just don't have the energy, when it's just plain old procrastination, which can come from a couple of different places. Perfectionism, for one, or in a lot of cases, self-esteem and pessimism. And once you see this, you can start to challenge it and begin to break down your goals into smaller steps and bite-sized chunks. If a pile of old children's toys under the stairs needs putting on eBay, but it's overwhelming, then just list one. If your loft is full of rubbish and needs sorting, then just go through one box. If you want to change your job, then just update your CV. One of two things happens. Either one, you've dealt with one chunk, so there's one thing less to do, but it doesn't tire you out, Or two, doing it gives you a bit more energy and you accomplish more than you set out to. Either way, you're a winner. Now, there is one way that energy and motivation can get sapped that I've not mentioned, actually. And that's from being bored, from not having enough to do or under-exerted. Everyone needs a break. We might need to sit with a bag of crisps and watch Netflix for three hours one Saturday afternoon. But if that's becoming day in, day out and leaving you feeling slow and sluggish, then it's not a break anymore. It's weird that locking yourself away from the world and doing nothing can actually make us feel exhausted, more exhausted than having a full-on day. But it can do. It really can. I've talked about acting as if before, even a little bit in this episode. When done with the right reasoning, acting as if you are more confident can help us to feel more confident. And we know this, there have been studies into this for years. It stands to reason that acting as if you're exhausted by stopping in your pyjamas and not moving can make us feel exhausted, make us feel tired. So even if you are stopping in, acting as if you've got something to do will give you more energy. 
even if it's just have a shower, a shave, put makeup on, whatever, even if you're stopping in all day, it can give you a push that moves you from I don't feel like it to I'm ready for anything. So, go forth and let's see how we handle all these things. As always, you can follow me on social media, find me on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Links are in the show notes as well as a link to my Patreon page if you'd like to support me. Enjoy your month and I will be back very soon. See you!